Podkist episode 126. Creatures of the Night, live. What beautiful music they play. Alright, Kiss Army. You wanted the best? You got the best. Now close your eyes. You're about to be podcast. Welcome to your podcast. I'm Ken Mills. I'm Gary Schaller. And today we have a very special episode. We're going to be looking at the creatures of the night live. We have a couple really cool guys lined up. But first, Gary, what's going on in the world of Kiss for you? Man, I'm still digging on uh, Kiss Rocks Vegas, and I'm digging on it a lot, i got to tell you. Same here. Just love it. I, I, I can't talk it up enough. To me, this is one of those things that's going to be like an animalize. You mean it'll it'll grow legs later? People will appreciate it more as time goes on? Well, no. I mean, do you think that animalize live and uncensored was really that good, or was it just what we had, or uh, was it just that good? Oh, the live one? You yeah. Mean? Oh, I got I to gotta tell you, I'm... I, I think that that's a fantastic video. I thought it was great then. I, I mean, to be fair, I was a kid. Uh-huh. So I mean, I know there's so many great things that you that you only get in that video. Yeah. You know, you, that's like the best place to see Eric Carr doing his thing. Uh-huh. You know, you get like fresh-faced uh, Bruce Kulick, just you know, newly minted as a member of Kiss, and such a great set list in that show. And the energy is just ridiculous. You know. And Paul suck his finger. Yeah, with Paul the glove. Suck finger you know that's just who doesn't want to see that besides everybody right and that really cool conan the barbarian hair wig thing gene's got on well it was the animalized tour they you know you didn't expect them to go on stage without some sort of animal right pelt yeah yeah in this upcoming discussion we talk about how paul actually wore a tail on the creatures tour so that's right. You know, I think it's funny that people will like key in and say like something's really ridiculous that Kiss is doing. Like, do you remember when uh, the monster costumes were? Yeah, debuted? I knew you were going to talk about the candy, the candy, uh, candy corns. Yeah. Yeah, the candy corns on Jean's armor, <laughs> and the feathers—they lost their damn minds over the feathers. And I remember people on message boards and social medias, why would Paul put feathers on his costume? And for like. 15 minutes I just opened up like my 1975 folder and just was dropping pictures of Paul with feathers and the I want you coat that big long coat he had that had all the feathers on it and just anytime Paul wore feathers I just you know someone would say this is stupid and blop there's a picture this is the most ignorant costume ever (laughs) you know and it was just like it was okay in 75 Right. But in 2010 or whatever, 12, whatever it was, it uh, it's it's not cool. So those costumes, are, I think they're fine. You know, uh, there's only so many ways that you can spin the wheel of acceptable kiss costumes, mm. uh, and people are going to look for any little thing to nitpick. Yeah. You know? yeah. But I'll tell you what, those costumes look fantastic in the in the Vegas video. They just, I think everything looks fantastic in that video. The the quality. Uh, the film quality is amazing. It's mm-hmm. great to see Kiss on Blu-ray finally, right? Right. You know, and what a perfect show to share. I uh, I watched it with um, the kids, and they liked it. I, you know, it was. It's just a. I mean, unlike the Animalized show, I think it's something that you can watch with your family. Right. 
I remember buying that videotape, and uh, the only VCR was in the living room, right? Oh, God. And my grandmother, you know, she would be in the, she would come out and sit in the living room and knit or whatever, and, and <laughs> I'd be like, ah, you know, because Paul would be like, my Levi's 501, <laughs> you know, the first button, so on and so forth. But I tell you, she had the biggest tits I've ever seen. <laughs> That baby had the longest fucking tongue <laughs> And your grandmother's like, Ken, he, he might have some health problems. He's seeing a lot of nursing. <laughs> My kids did not like the, the blood part, but they, they enjoyed the rest of it. Uh-huh. And, you know. So, Gary, how old are your kids? Uh, they're in elementary school. Wow. At this point, is Gene Simmons blood spitting? Like They did not like that uh, one bit. No. Not one bit. No. Icky. It's icky. I think they got a little bored because it's a rock concert. And, and dads watch 10 million Kiss videos already. You know, there's only so many times you can hear any of those songs, I think. But you I'll know tell this you what. one, and it goes like this. Right. But I do like the set list on, on Rocks Vegas. It's a good mix. And speaking of, mm-hmm. right, I like the fact that they featured the song Creatures of the Night like front and center, mm-hmm. right after the opening number. Like in the number two slot, that's kind of a cool place for it yeah absolutely and of course we're entering the kiss cruise which wow i mean wow this is going to be a fun kiss cruise for everybody that's going the creatures of the night theme so creatures creatures of the deep i think i've seen them use it in the artwork love it yeah it's great so kiss army report to us let us know or actually uh kiss navy report back to us let us know what it was like and if you're going have a great time and speaking of the kiss cruise we want everybody to be on the lookout for our own joseph cm belly he is the ambassador for the podcast and the kiss room on the kiss cruise and he will be handing out podcast buttons and the kiss room buttons so this is very cool it'll be one of the few ways you can get a podcast button or the kiss room button face to face so look up joseph cm belly and speaking of cool guys named joe joe polo from podcast rock city our sister show is also going to be there and he will have podcast rock city buttons we want you to make sure your jacket or your your own personal kiss room is decked out with podcast kiss room and podcast city gear So this is very exciting. So for everybody out there, enjoy the Kiss Cruise. And of course, we will be having one of our Kiss Cruise special wrap-up episodes. So look forward to that. And if you've been listening to our other show, The Kiss Room, and you should be, you will have heard Matt Porter live from the New Jersey Kiss Expo. And of course, he had the Kiss House Band set in. The Kiss Room Band is made of Fran Galante, Steve Campagna, and Steve Forrest, and they do some excellent KISS classics, acoustic style, live in the KISS room. I'd also like to thank Steve Campania and Fran Galante for doing something very cool for the podcast. I put a message out on the Facebook page that if someone could do a version of a podcast theme song to KISS's Cold Gin. And this is what Fran Galante and Steve Campania came up with. Take it away, guys. Oh, it's podcast time again. You know it's an awesome thing. It's podcast time again. Jazz Mills is the only thing that brings us together. 
to thank Fran Galante and Steve Campania of the Kiss Room House Band. Just excellent, excellent, excellent stuff. So today on the show, we are discussing Creatures Live. Now, how were you when Creatures came out, Gary? Well, I was, I think, in second grade when Creatures came out, but I was already into Kiss. Right. And I had a handful of the records. I had Jeans, solo mm. album. I had Alive. I had Destroyer. Um, I think one or two others. And so Creatures was the first Kiss record that I actually went to the store when it came out. I remember seeing the wall of, um, of vinyl, right? all those like blue copies with the eyes peering out at, at me. Yes. And going up and bringing home my very first brand new hot off the rack Kiss record. So I would have been in probably about second grade, too young to see them on tour. But Ken Mills, you saw them on that tour. I did, I did, I did. And we also have some guests, Roland Sarazin. They'll be joining us soon. And uh, it was it was amazing. I, I actually want to hear about your experience of buying the album. How does a second grader go in and buy the album? And for the love of God, they were so demonic then. I mean, the devil thing was being thrown around. How did they not card you? Well, you got to remember something. Yes. Jews don't believe in the devil. <laughs> it's, not a, it's not a problem. It's not a problem. It's really not an issue. All right. <laughs> I don't know. I was with my folks. You know what? I think it was... Here's a throwback. I think it was in a store... I think it was in Macy's or Bamberger's or Gimbel's or... Uh, Macy's is still You're around, but I don't think... You on. don't have... You ain't got Bamberger's or Gimbel's anymore, right? Right. My, my memory, even though it could be foggy, is like a wall of Creatures of the Night records and then like turn around and it's like pants. You know? <laughs> like <laughs> pants and shirts. So I feel like it was someplace where it was at the big department store. We may have been there to buy clothes or something. And my folks, you know, I took the record to them. They're like, oh, new Kiss record, huh? And, you know, got it for me, very kind. And I distinctly remember bringing it home, putting on giant, my dad's giant silver headphones. Um, because my parents were kind, but didn't need to hear the record. And reading the lyric sheet as the record played. And wow. just loving it. I mean, th that's an album that I loved the first time I heard it, and I love it still today. It's, that has not changed. I love that record. Mm -hmm. Did you get a feeling that it was a lot different than Unmasked? I mean, in second grade even, you had to be like, whoa. You, well, know? you, know, you know, I didn't have Unmasked. Ah. Right? So, so that's a, I loved the cover of Unmasked. That mm -hmm. was sort of the newish album when I started to get into Kiss. Unmasked had... had was I think I think the most recent release that they had done, and then of course I saw them on Solid Gold doing I, mm -hmm. and so I, th I I didn't realize that there was an Elder that had come out, and, and I figured oh I must be on the next record, so I waited and I waited, and when then when Creatures came out, I I, f I remember flipping it over to see if I was on it, and it wasn't on there. That's how that's the, that is the extent to which the Elder flew under the radar, you mm -hmm. know. So, like, you were disappointed that you weren't on the Creatures album? That's right. I wasn't on there, you know. <laughs> so you mean you, right? I believe in me. So not I, but you. That's right. Guess who? But not us. The who? First yes. base. Yes. Right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I... I but uh, Someday I really would like to do that. Two guys backstage at a concert, and the manager, you know, the the guy's saying, "Okay, who goes on first? All right, so we'll put the who on first. Exactly, who goes on first? Yes, guess who? Guess who goes on first? Yeah, who okay. goes on first? Yes, but they're a bigger band than the Guess Who, and yes, yes. So you want Yes to go on first? No, Guess Who? 
I don't know. He, Why don't you just tell me? And then Gene walks by and says, no, no, no. No, 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 no. Anyway, sorry. So I didn't have a sense. I didn't really have a sense that it was a, a departure or a return to form or any different from the previous records because I hadn't heard them. But I, I will say that with the limited Kiss catalog that I owned, you know, things like Alive and Destroyer, this was just the logical pr- progression, and it was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. What about you? Well, it was a dark and stormy night. I had had the owner of the record store set a copy aside for me, and back then I wasn't driving, so I had to rely on my aunt and uncle, who were going to town. And when I say town, we're talking like 25, 30 miles away. So I had to like figure out a time when they were going to the store and where I could get the album. And I remember sitting in the car, like, going, come on, we got to get there before the store closes. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. And and they weren't having any of it. You know what I mean? They didn't care if I went all the way to Greenville and then uh, just didn't... If if, if I would have came home empty-handed, it wouldn't have meant anything to them. Right, right. So we get there to the store, and I literally look, and I see the sign flip over to closed and the light go out and i get out of the car in the rain and i go running up to the guy and i'm banging on the door and i'm banging (laughs) on the door please mr swingar please let me in and the only thing i saw was the album through a plastic bag slapped up onto the window like he just went bang like if it were a horror movie it would have been a jump scare right and he said I waited for you. I was done waiting. I'm glad you're here. And I'm like, oh, well, here you go, here you go. And I'm like pouring out my pockets and oh, here you go. Here you go. <laughs> and, he go, and he goes, uh, you're like uh, 15 cents short. He goes, and I'm scrambling through my pockets. He goes, go ahead. Just go home. Go, go. Take it. Go. Yeah. See you next week. Okay, bye. Because I would come down like weekly while they were shopping for groceries and stuff. I would just go hang out at the record store, you know. See, Wait. I gotta say something. These, those are the true heroes in history, right there. That guy, the guys like that. Yeah, absolutely. We salute you, sir. Yeah. Da, 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 da. By the way, I guess I'm running for president with Matt Porter. He's running for president, and I'm the vice president. So, you've got my vote. Of course. Matt Porter believes that there's this party and there's that party. But there is only one rock and roll party. Elect Matt Porter, 2016. Let your voice be heard. Matt Porter promises a winner winner chicken dinner in every pot. Matt Porter will bring the Kiss Room platform to everyone. Matt Porter for the rock and roll party. It's either that or the giant meteor. uh, Did I say vote? I I meant veto. I get the um, letters mixed up sometimes. You son of a bitch. Did you have a sense, you know, were you following the news or the press or whatever, you know, the hype? Did you expect, you know, Creatures to be a return to form, a heavier album? Well, that's kind of what they were talking about, and I couldn't wait to hear my favorite guitar player, Ace Fraley. And boy, (laughs) when I got home, he, he never sounded so good. It was amazing. Really? Rare form, huh? Yeah. He was doing stuff that I'd never heard him do on a guitar before. But in 16 Magazine, you know, and all those pictures, and there was the uh, Mary Hart story on uh, Entertainment Tonight, and there was the video clip of 
Kiss on Entertainment Tonight, and Ace was right there with him, and there he is on the cover. And but it was odd; there was not one Ace Frehley co-write. That's mm. kind of odd. But yeah. it's, it's he, just, he didn't he didn't sing anything. Kind of like no. Peter didn't sing on Unmasked. Hmm. Hmm. There might be a pattern going on here. Hmm. 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 Things that make you say, "Hmm." Remember hmm. that? Remember that trend? Anyway. Yes. Also, but, also not an Ace song on on Killers. Hmm. Hmm. It wouldn't that be something? So. Quite but then again, then again, sorry, then again, not a Gene song on Killers either. <laughs> right. But I'll tell you what, I kid you not, I got home and I remember trying to read the titles of the song. And you ever have that thing where you're driving a car at night and you're trying to read something and you mm-hmm. have to wait for like the light overhead? <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. So like I had this thing, it's like light darkness, light. And I'm trying to read like the lyrics and. So wait, wait, so you're like saint. You sinner. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and when I got home, you know, because it was raining, I had to unpack the groceries, which was like the longest rainy unpacking groceries, <laughs> carrying into the house and putting things away. Like you couldn't just like take the, the big thing of toilet paper and just throw it in the bathroom. You had to put it you know, under the counter, each individual mm. row. So it was like hell. But when I got to my room, and I remember the smell of that album. Yeah. It, it had a slightly different smell than, like, Unmasked and the Elder. It just did. I don't know why. Like all that ink, right? Yeah, and exactly. All that blue ink. So, mm-hmm. and then, I kid you not, this is a true story. When I put the record on, there was a huge, big explosion of thunder and lightning like as soon as I put it on and then right into creatures it was like and I was like damp and chilly from the the cold and it was just amazing and and the headphones I had it on and it just the drum sounded so so good and And this was autumn right I mean Creatures came out if I'm not mistaken in October or somewhere around there isn't that right yeah okay so you know what's so great about that I think we've talked about this before that there are some records in in the catalog that really go with a particular time of year right Mm -hmm. and and for me Creatures and then later Carnival uh, of Souls are such are so locked in and, and Psycho Circus are such autumn records. And what a perfect story, right? That, like, really a dark and stormy night and thunder clapping and rain and co- that cold chill of autumn, mm-hmm. East Coast autumn, and you get a record like Creatures of the Night. So how, how did it hit you? Like a ton of bricks, and it was the greatest thing that ever happened to me. Uh, I love that album. And it was just so amazing. Uh, mm. just, just the sound is just just so amazing and and i didn't find out you know i remember reading about ace's car crash but don't worry you'll see him on tour and And that was the plan yeah that was the plan right such are the plans of kiss and men i mean mice and men so i i you know here's here's what's fun fast forward 23 years okay Mm -hmm. and uh i'm waiting to get tickets for the reunion tour and this is uh probably like the sort of I don't know, 75% of the way through the first leg of the reunion tour, like still 96, uh, fall of 96, okay? Uh-huh. And we're, I'm standing in line in Albany, New York to get KISS tickets. Remember standing in line for tickets? Remember oh, Ticketmaster? Oh, absolutely. Right. 
uh, one of the, the guy in front of us turns to me and says, well, you know, by the time we see them, it's not going to be Ace anymore. There's, they're already replacing him again with Vinnie Vincent. This is 1996. Uh-huh. It was great. And I said, you know, that seems unlikely, I thought to myself. I, I think that's not going to happen. Well, I was listening to Podcast Rock City. Joe Polo had an interview with Peter Arquette where he talked about Vinnie Vincent at the time thinking he was going to be part of the Kiss reunion. Vinnie mm-hmm. was actually talking it up. So check out Podcast Rock City, episode 122, talking the New Jersey Kiss Expo with Peter Arquette. So check that episode out. But yeah, you know, <laughs> Vinnie on the reunion tour. Ugh. Kind of glad that didn't happen. You know, yep. but I love Vinny uh, for mm-hmm. what he did within the framework of Kiss. Not a huge Invasion fan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you didn't know. When they hit the stage, you still thought, oh, that's going to be Ace. Well, no. Uh, on the way there, on the oh, radio, right. WMMS announced Ace Frehley won't be playing with Kiss tonight. He's Vinny the, the Wiz Vincent will be there. Oh, right, right, right. Uh, okay, so you did know. And, yeah. and you liked what you saw and heard. Well... I was confused, you know, I knew it was happening, but when I saw, he bought the tour book, mm-hmm. and there's Vinny, Vinny's mm-hmm. Punem and all that, and uh, there he is, and boy, he just blew me away, and I thought, if we're going to lose Ace, this is not a bad replacement, because he, he was like that new school of guitar playing, so. Right. Anyhow. Yeah, and I've never seen foot. I mean, there's not much to see, but I've never seen footage of the Creatures era, the Creatures tour. Uh, where Vinny doesn't look like he is completely into it, you know, just that guy never phoned it in. Right. It's yeah. 100, 100% part of the spectacle. Right. You know, we, one could go back and forth on whether or not it fit the, fit the model or whatever, but I have no complaints, uh, really. I, I don't love some of the things that, you know, I don't super love some of the things he did with the solos for, for you know, some of the songs, but actually I have to say I really like some of the things he did with, you know, like... Uh, Firehouse, for example, mm-hmm. he he stayed true to the flavor of the original solo and gave it also his own spin. And in fact, we've got a recording of Kiss performing Firehouse in 1983. If you want to give that a listen, here we go. I got this feeling. I got this feeling. You people got a lot more energy than you're letting on. If everybody loosens up just a little bit tonight, we're going to get this place so hot. We're going to have to calm out. We're going to have to calm out. 
for those of us who didn't get to see them on the Creatures Tour at that time, 1982, 1983, we're going to go talk to some people who did see them on that tour. So get ready. Here we go in the podcast time machine. Back to the Creatures of the Night live tour. discussion of Creatures of the Night live. And joining me right now is Roland Sarazen. Hello, Red Falcon. Come in. Nightwing to Red Falcon. Hello, everybody. How are you? Good to be back with you, Ken. <laughs> Glad to have you back. You and I were lucky enough to experience one of the most beloved tours that not many people saw, and that is the Creatures of the Night tour. Is it one of the most beloved tours? Um, well, I think it's one of those kissed opportunities in the sense that the Revenge lineup era and the convention tours are now kissed opportunities for a lot of people that didn't check them out when they were happening. It's become uh, kind of one of those legendary tours that people talk about actually happened, but almost nobody experienced. Yeah. Well, my experience was kind of different because it looked like from where... I was sitting in Richfield Coliseum. It was pretty darn full. I mean, it, it wasn't full to capacity, but there was a lot of people there. I think that this tour uh, had some interesting openers, wouldn't you say? Oh, for sure. That's that's one of the most uh, fun things about the tour. Uh, and most notably, the plasmatics. <clears throat> and then late in the tour, uh, Motley Crue on their very first uh big supporting gig mm -hmm. and i saw wendy williams and the plasmatics open up for kiss and you saw <clears throat> i saw motley Crue, so i'm actually jealous of what you got to see even though i'm glad i got to see what i am i saw and you probably feel the same way yeah i'm kind of i would have loved to have seen the young motley Crue in that sense but yeah so the album comes out and i you know since gary and i have already talked a little bit about the creatures album let's talk a little bit about your creatures of the night buying album experience if you will uh well let's see i was 12 when the album came out uh i was probably one of those rare kiss fans growing up with kiss who never never really left i i hung hung in there during the dynasty and unmasked and elder years mm -hmm. uh and I was very excited when Creatures came out because I there was a segment on uh, Entertainment Tonight, I think, that I believe Mary Hart introduced. I'm pulling out some old memories there that had some interview footage and uh, had some of the footage from the press conference at Zoetrope Studios. That was October of 82. And they were talking about the new album and how it was a return to heavy metal. They called them, I remember Paul actually saying, we're a heavy metal band. And, and that's what we needed to get back to. Uh, and that was really exciting. So I went and got the album on 
cassette. I didn't get the vinyl till years later. And that is definitely one that I wore out, that I wore that cassette out. And I hadn't worn out The Elder and I hadn't worn out Unmasked. I, I listened to them, but didn't play them and, and become obsessed with them in the same way that I did with Creatures. And Creatures ended up being my favorite studio album. Um, I, I just have a soft spot for that album. It was it was the perfect album at the perfect time for me. You know, there's that debate: is Kiss metal or not? And I don't know how you can not listen to this album and not hear metal. But then again, to me, metal is not jackhammers and barking dogs. Metal is something a lot cooler than that. So uh it's just kiss i i wouldn't describe it any other way if, if anything else i would just say they're a rock and roll band but yeah uh, this probably comes about as close as you can get i would say as well it's yeah. it's just got an amazing sound to it you know going on from the drum sound to to everything else and you would think that the band was completely on fire at this time and they weren't really as unified as we might think and it's strange that like a lot of people look at this as like oh kiss is back but kiss was really fractured at this point yeah i remember the uh uh entertainment tonight segment uh ace was on there didn't say anything but he was in there and uh yeah it, it seemed like it was just you know eric carr the new drummer and okay let's move on and and I didn't even know there was a new guitar player until uh, until I went to the show that I went to, which was, I don't know, four or five months later. So I listened to the album all that time thinking that it was Ace. Same here. And I thought that, wow, Ace must have really eaten his Wheaties or something because he's on fire. If this is the new Kiss. And yet there was no Ace co-writes. And yet it didn't <laughs> sound like Ace. And yet, but there he is. You know, uh, I, there he I is. I can see his picture right there. Yeah, and, and there's Mary Hart talking. You know, there's there's Ace on the clip. And, you know, this was really before MTV really hit big. You know, we were hearing whispers about it at the time. So places like Entertainment Tonight or Casey Kasem's show, it, you know, you kind of depended on those things. And, and rock magazines, at this point, even our beloved 16 was almost leaving us. They tried to sell The Elder to us with uh, not really well results, you know. Here's Gene Simmons looking like George Washington. It didn't, it didn't quite work. And uh, even though we now look back on that, you know, we, we are, you know, it's a, it's a beloved thing. That's the thing about KISS. Whatever's going on at the time, people might turn their nose up at it, but give them 20 years, and it's like, wow, that was really good. <laughs> it's pretty great, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, you want to talk about KISS fans... Uh, being so great you were talking about magazines I can't remember what magazine it was uh, it was some kind of a circus or hip reader type magazine and there was a tiny little article and it was when Creatures came out and basically it was the magazine saying in our opinion this band is dead but you the readers have insisted that these guys are still great and they still have a life and they, it, there was something about that of the magazine pretty much flat out saying we think they're done, but you don't. And so I guess we'll go ahead and keep writing about them. Wow. And it was just an interesting uh, little blurb from this magazine. And uh, just a good reminder over the years that it is the fans that keep the band alive. 
Absolutely. It's because of us that they're still around today because we keep going and we keep buying and we keep listening. And right. it was true even then. And it's still true today. Um, so the, you know, the tour is announced and all this stuff and Kiss is still hoping that Ace is going to be with them, right? That's how I understood it was that, yeah. uh, and it was probably Gene going, oh, come on, Ace, come on, hang in there, buddy. Well, I also know that, like, Paul told stories about how he sat on a, you know, on the on the plane with Ace where they did that uh, publicity appearance in Europe where there's mm-hmm. those really cool videos where they lip sync the Creature songs, you know. Mm-hmm. And with I that guess, little gold or silver logo behind him, yeah. Yeah. And I guess it was then that Ace really delivered the news that he was out. And... Of course, there are some shenanigans going on that uh, with the record companies and keeping the contract. From my understanding, the record company needed three members of KISS in order to make this happen. So KISS was kind of trying to pull a fast one and, uh, you know, claim that Ace was still a member in full and Ace was kind of checking out of things. But Paul talks about how on that flight back, he bagged Ace to stay in the band. And... Well, I guess the rest is history, but... Uh, <laughs> so Ace leaves the band, and at the time, it seems like a temporary move to the rest of the band, at least in their hopes. And then in December, Vinny Cusano joins KISS. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Gene Simmons dubbed him that and gave him that name, Vinny Vincent. I wonder if it, if, if you would be Roland Roland, or, or if I would be Kenny Kenneth or something. I wonder if, if that would be that way. It goes along with the uh, superhero yeah. motif. You got to have the same first letter. Peter Parker, Clark Kent, or at least alliteration. Wasn't there something I I remember? It, it goes back to creatures, but it's actually going forward about a year. I remember Kiss being on a radio show called Rockline mm, um, yeah. with the great Bob Coburn as, yeah. as the host, and that was when they were promoting uh, Lick It Up. And somebody asked about <clears throat> Ace playing on Creatures and saying on this song it sounds so much like Vinnie Vincent on Creatures is it Vinnie and I specifically remember Gene saying it may sound that way but no it was Ace Uh, and then they started talking about Ace a lot and I think one of the things that Gene cited as a reason for Ace leaving and you can you probably know better than I do is this the spin machine was uh, a really bad car accident yeah now of course Ace did talk about that and even wrote songs about it mm-hmm. in solo album after that. But how much of a factor was that car crash, do you think, uh, in Ace Levy? I don't think that it was any real factor. I think that uh, Ace was drowning in Kiss. He wasn't working well within the structure of what Kiss had become. And, you know, a lot of people, well, because his buddy Peter wasn't there. And it really had nothing to do with that. I think that being a rock star is kind of an abnormal thing you know what i mean (laughs) you can't be grounded when you're that high in the air so ace definitely was not working or wanting to work in that and to be honest with you instead of the vote going to two against two it was now two against one so with with another member not having a vote pretty much yeah so you can understand why Ace might have felt like, why should I build these guys' houses anymore? I need to figure out what I want to do, even if it's party or, or rock and roll all night and party every day. 
you know so it's it's fun piecing together um <clears throat> at least what you think the truth is um in this pre-internet era of uh things being said and things being put out officially as a story but not really being the story years later because uh, the other thing is a saying i believe in the uh vh1 behind the makeup special that hearing the elder album was the last straw for him yeah um that he heard the elder and that was it he was done but then there's other stories that he was going to be a part of creatures and then wasn't a part of creatures so i it's hard to know exactly. I, I'm sure it's a bunch of elements coming together at the right time. Right. Well, Ace has talked about how he had some demos and stuff, but it it never went to fruition. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, but a lot of things happened in December of 82. Vinny Cusano joins KISS. And then on December 14th, the United States Patent and Trademark Office registers Eric Carr's makeup design number one two two zero three four two at that point the fox became a registered trademark so there you go so there was a year year and a half where the fox makeup wasn't trademarked apparently so wow there's a kissed opportunity isn't it yeah (laughs) and on the 27th the date that the Creatures Tour was originally supposed to start, bad weather forces the cancellation of that night's Rapid City, South Dakota show. The tour started the following night in Bismarck, North Dakota. Okay. So the so, wiki says the 29th was the first show, mm-hmm. the 30th was Sioux City, Iowa, and the 31st was Rockford, Illinois. Rock and Roll Hell is played for the last time on the 31st. Yes, first, first and last, or... Yeah. Did they play it for the first three nights? I, I'm I'm guessing the first three nights because it says here, and this is from Julian Gill's work, the Creature Tour hits Rockford. Not scripture. That yeah, it's scripture. That night, Rock and Roll Hell is played for the last time, surviving in the set show longer than Keep Me Coming. So, Keep Me Coming had also hit the hit the uh, bricks at that point. So. <laughs> Great song, but definitely not uh, a live song, I don't think. But Rock and Roll Hell probably was really good live if they had let that one maybe stick around a little bit longer. That's the Brian Adams co-write, right? Yeah. Yeah.
I guess we should look at the the, the standard tour set list and what we've got here is opening with Creatures of the Night, Detroit Rock City, Calling Dr. Love, Cold Gin, and I always thought that was weird to hear this lineup do Cold Gin because they really altered it quite a bit with the, the extra pings and trills and stuff like that. It was it was pretty cool and it was pay, played super fast. <laughs> All the songs were played yeah, quite yeah. fast on this tour. This was the that this was definitely the beginning of kind of a new way and a new style of playing live that they really did keep. Um, I would say through the Crazy Nights era, uh, Hot in the Shade, they kind of slowed back down. Yeah, well, you had to. I mean. I was running out of breath listening to it. Not imagine what it must be, uh, you know, <laughs> to perform that stuff. But uh, so we have Creatures of the Night, Detroit Rock City, Calling Dr. Love, Cold Gin, Firehouse, I Love It Loud, Guitar Solo, Paul Stanley, I Want You, Guitar Solo, Vinnie Vincent, War Machine, awesome, Drum Solo, Love Gun, Bass Solo, God of Thunder, I Still Love You, Shout It Out Loud, Black Diamond, and Strutter or Deuce would be swapped in or out, and Rock and Roll All Night. It says here that Rock and Roll Hell was dropped after the first three shows. Keep Me Coming was also played live on this tour, was dropped after the first two shows. I Love It Loud was played twice in Sao Paulo, Brazil, instead of Strutter. So they apparently love that song down there. Deuce was also played early on in the tour instead of Strutter, so... That explains the substitution. Um, you know, we we have to not just talk about the stage, but what was going on outside of the venues. I know that for myself, it was a very cold night in Cleveland, and there was a lot of snow, and it was just horrible. We probably shouldn't have went, seriously. It was crazy to drive there, but we made it. And I remember WMMS coming on the radio and saying, for everybody going out to the Giz Show tonight, Vinny the Wiz Vincent will be out there instead of Ace Fraley, who couldn't make the tour be due to a car accident. And we were like, why are we even going? <laughs> wow. And at the time, we'd not yet seen the 16 Magazine bit, you know, that said, Newsflash! Ace Frehley's been in a car accident, and Vinnie Vincent is taking his place. You know, it, it was, it was kind of sad, and 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 even in that, it was kind of like Ace may try to make certain dates, but I think that the Kiss Press thing was kind of like saying, well, Ace is still around, but if he can, he'll come in. If not, this is what you'll get to enjoy. Interesting. I uh, I didn't even know there was a new guitar player until I went to the show I went to. Now I was just. Uh, 12 years old, so I didn't have a whole lot of sources of information coming in. Uh, and my dad actually took me to my first show. I gotta, I gotta give my dad a shout out for uh, being cool enough to take me to something that he really didn't want to go see. <laughs> uh, and I only found out then, and I found out before the show started from the T-shirts that some people had bought and had put on 
And I pointed out to my dad, I said, that is not their guitar player. I said, that is not Ace Freely. And he said, well, you know, the show has to go on. I'm sure they have people who can fill in in case one of the guys gets sick or something like that. And I said, yeah, but that doesn't explain the T-shirt. And he said, well, you know, I'm, I'm sure they have different versions of things. And I said, no, this is Kiss. No. And he said, okay, well, I don't know, Roland. <laughs> to him, it was H.R. Puff and stuff. It didn't, you know. It's... Yeah, I mean, it was me, of course, having to overanalyze every single thing yeah. uh, in the world, which is my nature. But um, You're a Kiss fan. Yeah, I just found out then. And uh, so that was, that was kind of interesting. Now, did you have religious protesters at your show? I did not. I saw them in Southern California, and uh, no, it was uh, there was a line outside waiting to get in, and there was nobody protesting, and everybody was excited to be there. And uh, how about you? Well, yeah, <laughs> that happened quite a bit on that tour. There was there was a group definitely got a campaign together to target Kiss during that tour. Very much so, and. I remember there were uh, people handing out tracks, and there was uh, a guy carrying a cross around, a big like cross, just life-size, dragging it around, talking to people, you know, Jesus died for your sins, and he wouldn't want you to go in there. And, you know, in all respect to anybody's religious beliefs, uh, just a bunch of kids trying to go see a rock band, and people getting in their face, you know, and they, they were... Uh, as kind as I suppose zealots can be, but I remember one guy specifically pointing his finger at me and telling me that I was going to hell, and I said, no, I'm going to see Kiss. And uh, in his mind, it might have been the same thing, but it was, it, was, it was very bizarre, but it was part of that galvanizing thing. It was just another finger saying, Kiss sucks, Kiss is bad, you shouldn't be involved and it was like all the more reason I'm going through those doors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It. it uh, I don't know if that was a sign of the times or not. You certainly wouldn't see anything like that today, um, unless it's the Westboro Baptist Church, and they're the biggest freaks on the planet Earth. They've, yeah, they've got nothing to do with with religion. They're just creeps. Uh, and it's weird that the same band, like I, in this election cycle that we're in right now. It seems like everything is being exploited by both sides. And, for example, we're seeing things where Kiss slams someone for protesting, and that's the farthest thing from the truth. You know, Paul Stanley says, stand up, and, you know, Paul Stanley has been telling us to stand up since, what, 1974? Stand up for what you believe in. So, what you believe in. yeah, this, sure. is, this is nothing all that different for him. He's not making fun of anybody or, uh, you know, calling out somebody for protest, and but it's so weird because then the other side of it, the uh, you know conservative side of things, is saying, "Here's a fine example of a true American rock band, Kiss." Yeah. So it's kind of weird that the people that used to tell us that Kiss was evil and not good, and they're just uh, you know all these bad uh, morals and all that stuff are now lauding them as this this great thing that everyone should pay attention to it's kind of strange how the wheel has turned yeah huh? absolutely <laughs> it just shows you that if you survive long enough you'll make it on the cover of rolling stone 
Yeah. And, uh, they What's did. interesting is, and I don't think you could say this throughout uh, a lot of the 80s, but if you look at this set list, say for some of the uh, Creatures of the Night songs, this is a set list you could see today. Oh, absolutely. And that, that's a really, really interesting uh, turn for me. You know, they, they threw more 80s songs into the set list over time, um, but even some of the classics they played are not ones that have survived till now. And, and almost every single one of these songs are ones that you wouldn't be surprised if they were to pull out today. Right. Yeah. But at the time, it was a great set list. Gone was the I Was Made for Loving You and... Yeah. And keep in mind, the last time I saw Kiss at Richfield Coliseum, prior to the Creatures Tour, was the Dynasty, or Dynasty Tour, as they say in Australia. Uh, stealing Paul Stanley's line there. And it was a much different experience. It was Technicolor, and like Disney on Ice, or Kiss on Ice. It was It was a much different visual experience than what you would get from this, because we had the tank. Was that not the coolest thing in the world? By far my favorite stage ever. Same here. And used again on the Lick It Up tour. Uh, Almost identical because it was so good. And why throw it out? Nobody saw it the first time, so (laughs) might as well use it the second time. Yeah, you know, you're you're very uh, on point with that because, man, it, it... there's so many people, you know, like, like it, for example, if you read any of Julian's stuff about the Creatures Tour, it's sad because Cleveland was a rare exception. It was a pretty full place. But then you look at, like, the next night, and it's 3,000 people in a 9,000-seater, and yeah. and some 5,000, some 3,000, and it, it's not a good, it's not a good thing, and, you know... Paul has joked about how there'd be nights you'd want to order out for pizza and, and feed everybody, or you know, you got to be careful. You can't throw a guitar pick too far. There's nobody back there to catch There's it. Nobody so. there. Yeah, and you know, it it had to kind of hurt because I think Paul was really super proud of this album in many ways, and he has went on record and said that Creatures is probably better than Lick It Up. It's just. At the time, nobody wanted anything to do with the makeup kiss. Yeah, and I remember on their uh, night flight interview, um, if you're going to be talking about that, uh, they did an amazing interview on a network in 1982, probably, on a little-known network known as the USA Network, which Mm -hmm. I believe still exists yeah it does and there was and there was a great show on there called night flight about yes. music and and they did a 45 minute interview or something with kits and uh paul talked about how much work went into the stage show and how much work went into the album and yeah you could see there was it was a great source of pride for them that they were the kiss you remember is back that it was they were very big in, in saying that, that that this is who we are and we're doing this big show and we're doing this great album um, so yeah, it had to hurt <laughs> for sure. There were, I think, there were only five thousand people at the show I saw, and that place probably seated twelve or thirteen thousand. Uh, at the end, during the encore, uh, 
people from I saw them at Irvine Meadows Amphitheater in Southern California, and there's a lawn. It's one of the outdoor amphitheaters that has a lawn in the back. And people were coming down from the lawn into the seats, and everybody was moving up to the front. And Paul was saying, yeah, yeah, come on down. It's your night. Come on down and fill in these front rows. And, you know, there I mean, there were seats empty in the first 20 rows. Uh-huh. As a matter of fact, we have a review from your concert. Uh, thanks to Julian Gill he sent us the review and it says Deja Vu Kiss Upstage by its opening act and uh, that was of course on that night Motley Crue was at the uh, Saturday night concert in Irvine Meadows and I don't want to read the whole thing but there's there's a few things that I want to talk about that really surprised me about reading this interview. It says Kiss's 95 minute set featured a constant barrage of fog, smoke bombs, fireworks, cannon shots, flashing lights, and fire pots. Kiss's spectacular stage presentation may not have dwindled, but itself has suffered attrition. Original drummer Peter Chris left the band over two years ago, and guitarist Ace Fraley also has recently departed. The two replacements proved to be poor substitutes. Drummer Eric Carr's Fox makeup was too close to Chris's Catman, and new guitarist Vinnie the Wiz Vincent's Ankh symbolism had no particular appeal. Wow. <laughs> oh, and it, it actually gets worse. It gets worse. Uh, uh, it was left to Kiss's co-founders Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley to carry the show. Stanley is the band's sex object, was effective as a song announcer and cheerleader. Bassist Simmons, however, was the real star. With his wickedly waving tongue and obscene pelvic gyration, he personified every naughty schoolboy's secret fantasy. He also had the show's two best special effects, wonderfully disgusting blood spitting and spectacular fire eating. This last trick has been the source of occasionally disaster for the KISS army. Simmons accidentally set his hair on fire during KISS's early days. In 1978, a young KISS fan from Baltimore suffered severe burns trying to emulate his idol. But here's the thing that really ticks me off. This guy, I want to find him and like beat him down like uh, they did in Jay and Silent Bob. Are you Noel Davis? And just thump on him. He says, if showmanship was the strong point of Kiss's Irvine Meadows concert, the weakness as always was the band's music. Shallow, even by heavy metal's minimalist standards, Kiss's songs sounded like little more than indistinguishable, tuneless sludge. The set's low points were Stanley and Vincent's guitar solos and Eric Carr's utterly predictable drum solo. Noel Davis, you just made the list. That's right. Are you Noel Davis? Thump. (laughs) What a dick. Is it something that if you review rock concerts, you have to be a dick? Like, you can't just go, I didn't care for this show. You have to, like bag on everybody right and everything anything that may be enjoyed you must stomp on and of course he was an expert on everything the band had done before then so yeah well and he he starts it off by saying 10 years ago in a 30 minute opening slot blitzkrieg the headlining act was all but blown away by an outrageous band that mixed the transsexual posings of the new york dolls with suggestions of satanism and plenty of thundering heavy metal riffs so (laughs) 
And you know, he he mentions the transsexual posing thing twice. Uh, he he then he after that he says, during Saturday night's Irvine Meadows show stop of the Kiss's 10th anniversary tour, it became apparent that the history has become full circle. Kiss was upstaged by its opening act, Motley Crue. An outrageous band that mixes the transsexual posings of the New York Dolls with a suggestion of Satanism and plenty of thundering heavy metal riffs. So, yeah, Motley Crue kind of did base their uh, their whole shtick on Kiss. But, boy, this guy was really hung up on the transsexual Satanism aspects of things. So. Kind of bizarre. Kind of I, bizarre. Don't know what, I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> The transsexual Satanist. Yeah, maybe he, uh... Yeah, I don't know. I could say something, but it's... (laughs) Very strange. But, uh, so, screw you, Noel Davis. Um, Yeah, screw you, Noel Davis. You don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, we happen to love Eric Carr's uh, drum solo, and it's not utterly... How could you not like Eric Carr's drum solo? Exactly! It was fantastic. And with the tank... Come on! The tank rolled. The turret came up. The the smoke shot out of all the all the vents on the top. Come on! Unbelievable! And I Unbelievable remember. Drum solo. I remember when that tank fired. You could feel that in your chest. I mean, it was like a someone using one of those paddles on you. Jagunk! Yeah, Eric. It, the solo during that concert was definitely one of the high points of the concert. I will say that. Yeah, and then the guy says that the the. The fox makeup is too close to Chris's cat man makeup. Fuck this guy. Is, is he out there? <laughs> See if you can get him on the phone. Thanks. What a dick. Anyway. Did uh, did Vinny use uh, the violin bow at your show? I know he did on the Lick It Up tour. So this is where it gets kind of uh, weird through time. I, I, I think that he did. I'm going. I'm going to say that he did. Uh, I remember there was so much mythology going on at the time. I remember we were told that uh, Wendy Williams was going to be arrested that night, mm-hmm. and the reason for that is she had been arrested, you know, in 1982 several times, and I think it was like part of the shtick at this point that, you know, you were you were expecting it. It's like, oh boy, she's going to get arrested. And you had the religious protesters on one side. And then you go in and she's like uh, just uh, smashing and destroying things. And she's wearing like uh, her costume consisted of whipped cream and uh, black electrical tape on her nipples. And it, it definitely was an experience. And I remember thinking, I'm not sure if I like their music, but it's definitely interesting. You've got to give them that. This speaks of how Kiss is not afraid of taking out an opening act that is, you know, just on their par. Because the Plasmatics were just insane and over the top. And Motley Crue, probably the best they ever really were, to be honest with you. Um, <clears throat> strange that Night Ranger was one of the opening acts on that tour also. Because if you look at the Plasmatics and Motley Crue, there were a couple little small bands here and there that were opening acts but yeah if you look at plasmatics and motley crew and also if you go back to some of the things uh, i think gene was saying about that time that punk was kind of the factor that almost breathed new life into kiss because punk brought something new to music again 
mm-hmm. and it kind of got them to go back to a little bit of hard hard rock. Yeah. Um, so you've got the Plasmatics uh, as a punk band, and I don't know if anybody agrees with me on this, but if you listen to Motley Crue's first album, I, I think there's a big punk rock influence on that first album. You could almost call that first album a punk rock album yeah. in a lot of ways. Uh-huh. Um, the riffs and the sounds, um, a lot of the guitar playing, very, very punk rock influenced. And so if nothing uh, else, it was interesting attitude. that that's how they chose to go with an opening act. Yeah, if, if nothing else, uh, definitely an attitude, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, it's bizarre. But the uh, the Cleveland show is pretty much full. You know, it, it was it was it was a really nice, well packed bunch of uh, people there. And of course, uh, it's weird looking back at the press now. There's all these things about, you know, if there's such a thing as an antichrist, then Wendell Williams probably would fall into the category of anti-gidget. And then that other guy's talking about transsexual Satanist and. It just seems like that's something all these reviewers are keying into. And it was happening at the time that a lot of people were going on TV shows and you had your talk shows where the ministers would come on. And and Kiss was one of those bands that they would point to every time. And I suppose this tour didn't probably help that too much because Kiss was being interviewed about it and uh boy it just uh, was going back the other way as well because gene really was going after them and paul always seemed to be kind of uncomfortable during these interviews whereas gene was like he's just ready to take them on you know what i mean yeah gene was never afraid to uh express his opinion mm-hmm. everybody says that you're a, a bizarre bunch of guys but i think you're you look like you're you're all american and I love apple pie. The boy or girl mix. Why, why would guys like you, I know you've been asked this before, but why would guys like you have problems with these religious groups? You, you look like God-fearing people. So. It's the other way around. Religious groups have have problems with us. We have no problem with anybody, as long as I can talk and say it clearly. We've got no problems with anybody. If religious groups want to come, fundamentalists want to come to see the shows, fine with us. We don't have the problem is them. They have, have no a problem problems. with us. Our fans have no problems. Everybody's happy. What, what, why is it that they have a problem? What? Well, because they want to make a name for themselves and they yeah. want to get their names in newspapers. We spoke to one of those guys yesterday, and when, when we really asked him who we represented, he was a self-ordained minister in his own church. Well, why don't we all start churches and go stand on soapboxes and preach? And make money tax-free. That's right. Yes, that's right. Be sure to send your dollars to P.O. Box. I'm going to fight Kiss and send them to hell. Bats, Box, Foros, and send it to my name, Preacher Bob, B-O-B. You've heard that before. This small group waiting outside Market Square Arena tonight had no plans of going to the KISS concert. They were there to try to intercept teenagers on their way in, to pass on religious tracts and a warning. It's obvious in this particular band's KISS, K-I-S-S, Kings and Satan's Servants. They, they're not ashamed of who they stand for. We don't have problems with anybody. Some preachers have problems with us. The KISS tour, which began in late December, is the first in three years. But in several cities so far, the band has encountered protests from parents and preachers. The group in Indianapolis was small tonight, but offered the same criticisms. The words behind the music that they're singing is satanic, and it's suggesting these kids to do things and that they wouldn't normally really want to do. Band members, however, have their own assessment of speculation about their act. 
I guess there's some people who like to see their names in the newspapers. So they figure the best way to do it is to uh, stand on soapboxes and hide behind religion. I don't think they represent anybody except themselves. What does KISS represent? They say their goal this tour, as before, is simply to give the loudest and perhaps most outlandish rock and roll performance. So let's talk about the Vinny in the room, the Wiz. And you notice that wizard thing never continued on uh, much further than the initial press stuff. You know, Vinny, the Wiz, Vincent. I never understood why they called him the Wiz and not the Pharaoh or something like that. Well, I think it was an Egyptian wizard. Does that make sense? Is it? But is ancient Egypt known for wizards? I, I wasn't there, man. I, you know, <laughs> I wasn't that. You know, but uh, I'm looking at this. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry to bring up the Satan thing again, but it, looking at this from the Cleveland Plain Dealer, it says, considering that bassist Gene Simmons, guitarist Paul Stanley, newcomers Eric Carr on on drums, and Vinnie Vincent on lead guitar are costumed to resemble satanic marauders. Tame and predictable is not necessarily the, the desired effect. And it goes on to talk about how KISS is celebrating its 10th year. So was this a, a, a good celebration of their 10th year anniversary, you think? I think so, yeah. It was... It was uh, I, don't, I don't think they mentioned it during the show. Right. But you saw it on the on the tour book and the t-shirts. The t-shirts. Yeah. Um, I think it's also interesting that um, with not a whole lot of different ways of communication other than press releases and things like that, print, television maybe, um, it seems like all the reviewers got it right that there was actually a replacement guitarist because today reporters on the internet don't even seem to know Ace really isn't in the band anymore. Right. So I'm kind of surprised they there weren't a lot of reviews saying Ace Freely looked really weird. <laughs> Well, if they even knew what Ace Fraley looked like to begin with. So, Possibly, yeah. yeah. Uh, but that, you know, it's weird listening to that one review from Irvine, California, where the guy talks about the Peter Chris makeup and the, yeah. you know, the cat makeup versus the fox yeah. makeup. It, it just shows that you really can't please people, that uh, they're going to not like whatever is going to come next so maybe that guy was just an originals only fan perhaps he was the first originals only critic you know screw you what's his his name double fuck that guy because yeah (laughs) what's that dude's name um noel Noel davis Davis. yeah noel davis screw him too so oh we already said screw him so screw him again double screw that guy what was it in star trek uh, double dumbass on you. Double dumbass on you. Yeah, double dumbass on him. There was just some internet article, I didn't read it, about the uh, the punk rocker on the bus in that yeah. scene, in that Star <laughs> Trek movie, about where he is now. And I went, really? That's, that's where that's we're at. That's a thing. That's, that's, a, that's where we're at in our culture. Some Somebody at Yahoo News going, boy, we need, we need, really need something to fill this out. And somebody saying, I got an idea. <laughs> that punk rock guy. In the, yeah. So punk was very much a big thing. And, you know, it's it's weird to think of... I remember seeing that 10-year anniversary thing and thinking, man, that's old. <laughs> and now, 10 years is like nothing. But They were just getting started. Yeah, but back in 1982, that seemed like a legacy. And 
you know, you said Kiss didn't really seem to play it up, except to its fan base. You can understand that on one level they're trying to appeal to this new group of people, and I mean, this is kind of the closest you would get to the hotter than hell kind of thing again. That same vibe, yeah, is yeah. now and literally hotter in hell because you've got all these resi- religious zealots, baby. All these religious zealots out there uh, protesting, but anyway. Yeah, they uh, they billed it as the 10th anniversary tour, and then uh, when they took the makeup off on uh, MTV, J.J. Uh, Jackson asked, how long ago was the band formed? And they said, 10 years ago. <laughs> and that was, that was a year later. <laughs> So, what was it like for you to see Kiss? This was your first time. Uh, you can imagine. I was, I was uh, 12 years old. I had earned enough money to buy tickets. I even bought my dad's ticket with my uh, allowance money. Uh, and I think I was in the 18th row. Uh, and it was... It, you know, my dad's standing there, and so there's this very strange dichotomy. When you talk about uh, worlds colliding, strange that your parents there and then Kiss is there. That's definitely two different worlds colliding for a youngster. Um, but, yeah, seeing them live, I mean, talk about an event that, that will hook you for life. It was definitely the the most amazing thing I had ever seen. And I will also give my dad credit for this. At the end of the show, he said, I really didn't understand much of what I heard, but that is by far the best show I've ever seen in my life. He said, I I, I take my hats off to those guys. That's the most amazing show I've ever seen in my life. Wow. And so he never never gave me any grief about being a KISS fan after that ever again. Very good. Um...
so you know you've got this new element uh, coming on to the stage and we we kind of have already accepted Eric Carr that that transition went pretty good with us fans and you know we had heard and seen some things on TV so it we were we had already embraced him and now this Vinny the Wiz Vincent gets thrown into our lap and I was incredibly impressed I don't know about you but I thought he was like wow if Ace is out and we have to have another guy this guy's awesome yeah I, I thought uh, Vinny was great I um, I still didn't know who he was I didn't know what his name was I'm not um, sure we still know who Vinny Vincent is <laughs> yeah I, I, I didn't I didn't even know what his name was when he played, but I knew uh, he was great and found out later. And then when they did the official unmasking and the tour after that, uh, I think is when fans who had been through that transition really embraced him at that point. But um, yeah, and you knew it was a different style too, even though uh, Paul and Gene were kind of saying that he played kind of the same style as Ace, but that really wasn't true at all. And so something new and fresh sometimes can be fun. Um, you know, nobody's ever going to compare to Ace Freely, but uh, I think he was a good choice at the time. And like the like the band said, you know, he kind of became the guitar player by default. And uh-huh. I think his songwriting skills was a big part of why he became part of the band because he brought in something fresh songwriting wise. Uh-huh. You know, he's he's really responsible for a lot of the sound on Creatures and. Uh, definitely on Lick It Up. I mean, you can you can really hear the difference between an album that has Vinny on it and an album that doesn't have Vinny on it. Right. But we also can't dispute Michael James Jackson uh, when he's actually in the driver's seat. Yeah, I don't know why they didn't continue with him after Lick It Up, and I don't know if, if you know the answer to that. I don't not. think anybody knows because we've... We've reached out to Michael James Jackson several times, who also was named properly by Gene Simmons. Is that right? Yeah, I remember Gene saying, What are you crazy? You can't call yourself Michael Jackson. You know, it's the... <laughs> <laughs> but it's like the, I remember uh, Spinal Tap saying something about uh, Ying Wei J. Malmsteen as confused to all the other Ying Wei Malmsteens that are out there. <laughs> Wait, which one? Which Ying Wei Malmsteen are you talking about? Ying Wei J Malmsteen. Oh, okay. So Michael James Jackson uh, became his name. Gene just I, I will say that as a 12-year-old, turning that, looking through the, the notes on there and seeing produced by Michael James Jackson, at that a 12-year-old Red Falcon did think once. <laughs> I didn't know Michael Jackson's middle name was James, and why is he producing a Kiss album? Okay, Gene, if you could go in and scream on the song Rock and Roll Hell for me, that'd be really cool. That'd be sweet, Gene. <laughs> so. Well, he was dating Diana Ross at the time. and See, it all It all makes, makes sense. sense to a 12-year-old. But the, actually, Gene and Diana had a fallout, and he was very heartbroken during the recording of Creatures. Ah, oh, that's why he didn't continue later. There you go. That's the reason why. <laughs> no, but he was on Team Diana. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's foolishness. 
But Vinny was kind of a surprise and a revelation. I thought, man, all the people that were, were doubting Kiss were going to have to eat this. You know what I mean? And and he was he was amazing. Yeah, it definitely uh, breathed uh, a new life, I think, into the band. Along with Eric. Uh, Eric Carr, I think, really, uh, you know, Gene had said he pushed them to be a heavier band again. But I think Eric did more than that. I think Eric kind of made them go back to their roots and kind of remember the type of music that they wanted to play in the beginning. And um, he was a team player, but uh, it must have been something to have Peter Chris playing his style of drums for all those years and then all of a sudden have Eric Carr come in and just pound those skins because he, he had a sound like nobody else. Mm-hmm. Now, did Paul have a tail on your show? No. I remember not, he, he had Not a, that I remember. I remember he had a, a tail. He wore a tail. And uh, you can see it in some photos. Yeah. And sadly, this tour was not all that well documented as far as video and audio. Uh, there's the uh, Canadian tour date that was captured on video. And then we have, you know, Feast of Famine. My God, you've got Kiss uh, not being able to sell out in America and uh, you know, playing, having having somewhat nice capacity to almost, uh, you know, we, we'll never book these guys again, to uh, playing one of the biggest shows they'd ever played at the uh, South American date at the Macarena Stadium in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. And of course, we have that on Kissology too now. And uh, Brazil, Kiss in Brazil, and as the announcer would go on to say you know the the creatures of the night tour didn't last all that long or maybe it's what do you think it's uh from december to april is that a good time i think the creatures of the night tour was a pretty normal length tour for that amount of time a little bit over three months that was probably pretty right on for that time for a north american tour you know we we talk about the tour being a failure and everything and it, it on one level Financially, it, it was, but on the other hand, I had a great time. I did too. It wasn't really well attended, but it has certainly survived over time of being one of those great tours. I think the, I think that tour and the Re- Revenge Tour almost go hand in hand. For whatever reason, the Revenge Tour had some pretty low attendance shows, but an amazing tour. And it's both of them also have the same distinction as being strong gene albums in the sense that you have the the, the singles that that came off of them were both leadoff singles from Gene. And it seemed like whenever Kiss gets lost, they have to return to that center point, if you will. A very interesting observation. I like that. After Hot in the Shade, they did that. That one marketing company did a thing where they said what does the audience want from kiss and they wanted gene to be what he used to be yeah and uh of course we see on the videos and stuff that come out around the time where gene's apologizing for being let you know going <laughs> off the path and all that stuff but you know <laughs> people talk about how paul kept the ship going and yes he did but he also was wearing white pants and x into sex and can you read his body and all that stuff so I think they both kind of lost the focus as opposed to 
uh, just one person losing the focus. It, it, it became something other, and just had Kiss had become something other uh, on Dynasty and The Elder and Unmasked, here we are with this. And it was a return to form, in a sense, but a different level, I would say. Interesting point. Maybe even throughout the band's whole history, it almost follows where Gene is at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Paul was, was pretty steady in, um, not necessarily in musical direction, but, you know, Paul was always kind of right at the front there. But when Gene was very heavily involved and in his demon persona, you got one type of kiss. And when he wasn't, you got another type of kiss. Yeah. And I feel that it took Gene a while to... I mean, because I remember seeing Gene when they first took the makeup off. It was like, that guy doesn't... That's not that guy, is it? You know? (laughs) It took me a while. But... uh, Paul, you went, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's him. That's that dude. There he is. It was also around this time that National Enquirer printed those pictures of Mm -hmm. uh, one Paul Fraley and... Uh, one Paul Carr, and uh, I forget who, what they were all called, but it looked, sounded like uh, th- three Pauls and a Gene. So yeah, exactly. Uh, it was kind of weird. Uh, th- I remember seeing those pictures and just being floored. Ace had a beard. Yes, he did. What a trip! So, how how well did you feel that Vinny fit on stage with the band? It definitely worked for me. I mean, I, I thought that they did great, but he wasn't, I wouldn't say during the Creatures tour, and I don't know if they told him to stand back a little bit, but the reviews at least get right that he wasn't the focal point mm-hmm. during the tour. I will definitely say that. Gene and Paul each had their side, and they were much more upfront. Musically wise, I thought he did an amazing job. I was I was really blown away live, uh, and then went back and listened to the album again, and and you sort of kind of went, okay, that's why it, maybe it doesn't sound like Ace so much. Uh, I think he was a great musical fit for the time, although Gene and Paul also sort of tailored him to play within Kiss's style, because as we found out later, he really really kind of had his own unique style Mm -hmm. and And, you know you mentioned him on stage he really walked all over the place meaning that like where ace seemed to kind of always stay on his side of the stage mm -hmm. except for background vocals gene would be singing and Vinny would just kind of walk in front of him and just you know the whole time and and he was all over the place well and he definitely even upped that during the lick it up tour yes during the Lick It Up tour, he was everywhere. It was like, <laughs> yes, I saw the the infamous show at Long Beach Arena where he decided that uh, his solo slot time was not quite enough time, and he mm-hmm. was gonna he was gonna extend that a little bit. That's I actually got to see that happen where he did a he did about a twenty five minute solo. Oh wow. Ten minutes into that solo, Paul Stanley came out and said, Vinnie Vincent, lead guitar, and, and Vinnie just kept right on playing. Wow. And that was there was a huge blow up after that show of him doing that. That was that was one of the straws that kind of broke the camel's back on Vinnie being in the band anymore. Yeah. What a trip. 
but he definitely um, <clears throat> moved around a lot. He liked playing to the crowd. Something that took Bruce Kulick quite a while to uh, get over those stage fright nerves that he had. Vinnie Vincent had no stage fright from day one, it seemed like. He, he enjoyed playing for crowds. Yeah. It's like you look at the, the history of Kiss, it's like Vinnie is let go at this time, you know. Yeah. And then Vinnie was rehired in December. he was kicked out of the band and then they picked him up as they drove around the block and rehired him it it was that sort of a thing but you know the guy is so amazingly talented and live I felt that he worked and in makeup and out of makeup as well and while I didn't dig the gold strip down the nose thing it kind of look that to me is the thing that you know and and i understand the irony of of what i'm doing here i'm going to say that (laughs) that the gold stripe down the nose looks ridiculous on a kiss makeup but all kiss makeup looks ridiculous you know what i'm saying but uh it just it just looked goofy compared to the other three but that was it and of course paul stanley designed that but uh Interesting choice going from a, a straight black and white to gold. Adding, yeah, and even silver, but then adding in the gold was, was yeah. kind of interesting. But Kiss played like they were on fire, and they really wanted it. Uh, what did you think of the the sound of of the band at that point? It was almost a new sound. It was so much heavier. Mm-hmm than I was expecting. And faster. <laughs> and faster, yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, even from the, the, the previous tours before then, it was such a heavy sound. Um, but I thought it was really exciting. I, I loved it. And it's a shame that the Vinny lineup couldn't have continued amicably between everybody because I think that Kiss was poised to have the next big guitar hero. And if he had continued for another album or two, um, yeah. it would be a much different history, I think. Or, you want to say it? If he had played on another album or two, it would have been a much different history. There you go. We'll put the echo effect on it and everything. It's just oh. Kiss story. Kiss, 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 kiss. Yeah, it, uh, it, 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 it was bizarre seeing him after Ace, but he definitely held his own. There's no doubt about that. And as we talked about, we went from Feast to Famine, or or from Famine to Feast. You've got that show, and you've seen that footage of that crowd, and and Chris Kiss, Chris, Kiss talks about how they played the the biggest crowd, you know, up to that point, and it was just an amazing video to see that, and Paul's wearing that weird uh, half-cut-off shirt. <laughs> it looks like a bootleg Kiss shirt. <laughs> yeah. And it's a white, a white Kiss shirt. Yeah. And uh, it's it's so weird to see that. W- what are your thoughts on the uh, Kiss in Brazil? It must have been something for Vinny to play with the band for three months through America and then go and play the biggest show that Kiss ever played. That must have been quite an experience for him. I, I think they were right, though, at the time of saying, it, you know, it can't get any bigger than this. Where do you go once you play for over 100,000 people? What is there left to do? 
and I know that that was part of the the marketing of why they took the makeup off. And there's other reasons why they did it, just because it had pretty much run its course. It just wasn't working anymore. Right. But that must have been quite an experience playing for that many people. And you can tell on the video, it almost sounds like the band's having a hard time hearing itself play. Yeah. Because it's so loud. But it's just insane. You see that shot of Paul, like, dancing. And they show it from, like, Eric Carr's viewpoint, if you would. Yeah. And you just see the sea of people moving up and down. And yeah. They yeah. Just absolutely amazing. Blows my mind. Uh, another funny thing about Vinnie Vincent is on the night flight interview, they were going around and saying, where's everybody from? And they're saying New York and, and Eric Carr's right there. Yeah, Brooklyn, you know, Brooklyn guy, born and raised. And then they get to Vinnie and Vinnie goes, uh, Connecticut. I was born and raised in Connecticut. Uh, uh, Bridgeport, Connecticut. And then Gene goes, oh yeah, but Vinnie's all about, he's, he's all about Brooklyn. He's, he's, he's like a Brooklyn guy. Yeah, and, and, and then Vinny... Just like, God, you know, I told you to say Brooklyn, Brooklyn. and then you go and you say <laughs> Connecticut. You could definitely tell Vinny didn't have his interview chops up at that point. Yeah, he didn't get the vibe of Kiss, but he's much better than Mark St. John, who looked like uh, the truck was literally going to slam into his face as yeah, soon as he said something. Mark St. John. But even in that Night Flight interview, Eric Carr references the Space Bear. He does. Yeah. He does yeah. say Space Bear. Yeah. So you wonder if they were like, now listen, guys. <laughs> we're not going through this shit again. Yeah. <laughs> Look, last time we did something where all four of us sat down, it kind of didn't go too well. No. No, no, no. But uh, <laughs> what a trip. So, like Which, again, a- years later, one of the most classic interviews ever, that, that Tom Snyder interview. Yeah. It, it's it's the gift that keeps on giving, Clark. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. I loved the Creatures of the Night tour. It was dark, and it was more like the Destroyer tour in in, in feel and scope than it was. That's a great comparison. I would agree with that. That in in the size of the of the scope of the show, and even the way the show moved, very very similar. And. On the Destroyer tour, Kiss was trying to be thematic. You know, after working with Bob Ezrin, they they were the props. And there was also these walls that if you had, like, seats to the side, you couldn't see half of the stage, which yeah. was a downfall of the Destroyer tour. And then you had the weird tree thing and these uh, things that looked like Superman's uh, crystals you know, where Ace was supposed to play and Gene had his spot and the lightning machine and all that stuff. But Kiss never tried really anything all that thematic again until the Creatures Tour. When you think about it, the uh, Love Gun and Rock and Roll Over and even Dynasty, they were kind of stripped back compared to the Destroyer show as far as theatrics. You know, people talk about how Kiss's Love Gun stage is the most amazing thing in the world, but if you look at that stage when it's not on fire, shall we say, mm-hmm. it's not that amazing. It's no, some, it's just a stage and stairs. Yeah, but people act like that's the greatest stage of all time. But you know, when it opens up and is exploding, it's 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 very cool. But you know, it, let me put it this way: if Kiss came out with that stage today, people would say, "Oh, that's." garbage you know what i'm saying but sure but it's the way we look at things through fandom lenses we we look at back at that as a big thing but this was the first time thematically 
And boy, just the sound of I Love It Loud, which, by the way, never sounded as good as it did on the album. It's just impossible for it to. It, it loses some swagger, especially when you speed it up. But when they're playing I Love It Loud and those tank treads are moving, even though they're just lights moving, you know, it's not actually moving. But it, it you, when they'd have the, 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 the smoke and the fog around that tank, it would seem like it was moving forward. Amazing. Amazing. And, and how the, the tank swung from side to side and would, you know, shoot. And it would shoot stuff out of the rafters. Remember that? Yeah. Oh yeah. And it, and you talk about the band really putting their all into a show. I mean, Paul Stanley would run in those heels full speed, mm-hmm. jump up in the air, and then land on one of the two the treads on the side were were higher than the rest yeah. of the stage. And he would land with both knees on that tread and keep playing and. I mean, the bruises those guys must have had night after night playing that show. I mean, they put, you could tell Paul Stanley was putting everything he had yeah. well, in, we were watching, into entertaining that crowd. Yeah, absolutely. We were watching the, uh, the Canadian uh, show from the Creatures Tour that is on YouTube for everybody that wants to see it. And uh, my wife said, well, you can see why he needs needed the hip surgeries and all the things that he's been through he he's he might be the incredible bionic man now but you can see that he definitely earned it all the pain and stuff that you know the blood and the sweat and the tears yeah. folks yeah, what they sure. what 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 kiss does for us you know it's it's not just great music it's it's a lot of punishment but what an what an excellent tour and uh, the plasmatics were great and i remember we were uh we had heard that she would be arrested that was the thing and <laughs> it was one of those things of myth which was based on real life stories and you know and of course that goes on to another fine bit of history someday we'll have to talk about the lost kiss album w-o-w or wow the wendy williams album just a great thing but that's another episode for another time. Uh, and you, of course, had the crew. And uh, did 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 they upstage Kiss? Not in my opinion. Um, <clears throat> there were a few people from school the the next day and the day after who were talking about how great Motley Crew was. Um, <clears throat> interesting reading about their history is is they they had just pretty much played clubs up until the the five dates they played with kiss and i know that they had somebody do some stage choreography with them uh and learn some stage moves and that was they definitely did some synchronized moves i mean it's like kiss doing deuce you know i mean it's it's the same thing you can Mm -hmm. tell where all that influence came from yeah i will say after the show i went out and i got the album and really liked the album, and I was a Motley Crue fan for a long time after that. So uh, they definitely did their job as far as upstaging Kiss. Of course not. But it did really set them up for that uh, Shout at the Devil album. It really took them to that level. It it put them in front of a much bigger crowd. I don't think a lot of people went and bought Plasmatic albums after seeing them open up for Kiss. I think it was more a freak show kind of a thing than anything else it's an odd pairing for sure but uh i don't know I mean, again guys, look back at it in, in hindsight and guys running around in tutus and smashing shit <laughs> you know it just but i'm glad i saw it 
Yeah. So damn glad I saw it. <clears throat> the I know it's uh, I don't know exactly how the story is. Maybe Julian could even uh, clarify which this really happened or not. But supposedly Motley Crue was kicked off the tour, but they actually played till the end of the tour. They played the last five dates of the tour. Yeah. But the story of why they were kicked off the tour had to do with their behavior and what they were doing. As it turned out, what they were doing was Eric Carr's girlfriend behind Eric Carr's drum set in Universal City, That's which was the show that the night after the one that I saw. Uh-huh. And apparently, uh, Nikki and Tommy Lee um, were having fun with Eric Carr's girlfriend right behind his drum riser while he was playing. Class acts. Yeah, all the way, right? Mm-hmm. But that did set uh, Motley Crue up as the bad boys, whereas Kiss were the 10-year-old guys, the uh, 10th anniversary guys, the the old geezers, if you would. They were in their 30s by then. My God, they shouldn't be rocking at 30. That's crazy. Definitely a great tour, a great time. I'm sorry that you weren't there. Uh... I don't understand why people tuned out like they did. To me, I was a diehard Kiss fan. I couldn't imagine anything that would have kept me away. Uh, I stuck through, that's mm-hmm. for sure. And we Always were... loved the band. Whatever they were doing, I loved it. How does the Creatures Tour rate to you? It'll always be my favorite just because it was my first and there was that that spectacle. I mean, you talk about larger than life to 12-year-old eyes. It, it's just so much bigger even than it than it is. It is definitely the most special show I ever saw. Probably the other best show I saw was uh, Hot in the Shade tour, just because they played for so long. They played so many songs, mm-hmm. brought out a lot of songs they hadn't played before. But but as great as that tour was, as great as the theatrics of that tour was, uh, Creatures in the Night was a perfect quintessential Kiss show. I would have to agree 100%. Yeah, and did the Lick It Up tour top it or equal it or fall below it in your estimation? Hmm, that's a good question. Uh, it, same band, same stage, but a very different show in some ways. Yep. Um, it was a bigger venue, lots more people, and so it was a different vibe. Mm-hmm. Um. You could definitely tell that you couldn't tell specifically why at the time, but there was uh, definitely that feuding going on between Vinny and Gene and Paul. Mm -hmm. And I think that probably carried through to the show a little bit where it wasn't that way on the Creatures tour. On the Creatures tour, it was guys who were kind of trying to prove themselves again. Yeah. I would have to give it to uh, Creatures, maybe just because the makeup was on, but there there was a different attitude during the Creatures tour. Yeah. The, um, uh, the, the Lick It Up tour had a more party vibe to it. Yeah, yeah. And the Lick It Up tour was really fun. I really enjoyed it. That, that and, the, and the Animalized tour I would put almost on the same, same level, but there was something about the Creatures tour. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's a reason why that poorly attended tour still lives... In uh, 
still lives today. There, there's a reason why. There's something about that tour. It's a legendary thing among Kiss fans. Yeah, yeah, it was, and yeah, it's so it was legendary that Kiss is bringing it back on this current Kiss cruise. So it'll be interesting to to hear how that went. Yeah, I've been thinking about what songs they're gonna they're they're gonna be able to play and which ones will work for for the band the way it is. Um, how do you feel about the? Uh, like, how do you think Creatures of the Night sounds on the current tour? How do you think they're pulling it off? I think pretty damn well. And, you know, even the Kiss Rocks Vegas thing, there's more a focus on that than, let's say, Destroyer in some ways. You know, it, it mm-hmm. seems like Kiss seems to lean heavy on one album or another at a time. And it's almost like they've been preparing to get to this point to do this for the Kiss cruise. So, yeah. Yeah. So. The largest crowd they ever played in front of, and uh, some of the most sparsely attended Kiss shows in the U.S. at the time. It's uh, definitely a legend among Kiss fans, even. And uh, if you weren't there, I'm sorry. Yes, indeed. I felt privileged to be there. And if you were one of those religious protesters getting in my face, uh, I wasn't going to hell. I was going to heaven to see Kiss, so sorry. (laughs) Well said. Yeah. So if you attended the Creatures of the Night tour, let us know what you think about it. Let us know your thoughts, your memories. Share them with us, please, on Facebook and on all the social things that we're part of and even at the KISS FAQ board. And uh, We'd just like to thank everybody for listening today and being part of this discussion. I wish you would have been there. Just, just think, if it would have been better well attended, would KISS have taken the makeup off? Hmm. Something to think about. I mean, if, if all the people that wanted to be there happened to show up, would Kiss have ever taken their makeup off if it would have continued to be something that would fill halls? Yeah. And and how would the face of rock itself have changed? Because you probably would have had a lot more copycats. Right. And when you think about this tour, it has kind of set Kiss up for what they will do and won't do even now. For example, new members, you, we read in that thing that one guy said it was too close to Peter Chris's design and it was, it was a failure and all that stuff. And that's how KISS kind of feels. And look at it, here we are. At this point, the makeup wasn't working. At this point, they rely heavily on the makeup. And so if this tour would have been a huge hit, who knows, we'd have a bunch of different... Uh, Bruce might have had his own makeup and Mark his, you know. And Tommy and Eric uh, by default. But this kind of set that direction, if you will, right? It did. It really did. For good or for bad. Creatures of the Night. Just a, just a great, great time in my personal history. Mine too. Loved it. Yeah. Gosh, I wish I could go back there. But... Would you do it all the same, or would you do it? I would. I would hope I would have the common sense and knowledge. I would buy a lot of those Kiss uh, Creatures of Night tour books. I would have bought every one that I could have and sold them, you know, for Buku bucks now. So. <laughs> <laughs> On another topic, talking about the album, can we at least all agree that the original pressing of the album that that's the version to have? I know there was a a remaster the third version that brought the big drum sound back but 
Yeah. I, I don't think it gets any better than that original version, does no, it? No, no, there's nothing wrong with that first uh, bit of it, and it's one of the greatest sounding albums, and I love it, and nothing quite sounds like Creatures, even today. Indeed. All right, well, it was great talking to you again, Roland, and we will see you on another episode of the podcast, and we'll see you also on the Facebook pages. And mm. glad Thanks you're for part having of me. Things. Oh, anytime. You are, uh, you're a great guy and a great part of PodKiss. So as we continue to celebrate the band Kiss, all lineups, it was good to talk about the creatures of the night. <laughs> And that is our show. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to check us out on the web at www.podcast.com. You can also find us on Facebook and on iTunes. If you'd like to contact the podcast, please drop us a line at podcast at gmail.com. Big thanks to Julian and everyone at kissfaq.com. They've got great information there and a terrific message board, too. Thanks also to Keith LaRue and everyone else at Kiss Online for their great work representing the hottest band in the land. And as always, a big thanks to Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons, Ace Fraley, Peter Chris, Vinnie Vincent, Bruce Kulick, Eric Singer, Tommy Thayer, and the memory of the late great Eric Carr, and the late great Mark St. John. You are KISS, and we are your army. Podcast is created by the KISS Army for the KISS Army, and it is available for free as an internet download. If you like what you hear on our show, go buy it and support the people who made it. Podkist is not affiliated with KISS or any of its members past or present. On behalf of myself, Ken, and the whole rest of the Podkist crew, thank you for listening to Podkist, the KISS fanzine for your ears. You know, you post too much about food on Facebook when, like, you get on Facebook and it says your memories on Facebook and it's a video of a baked ham and cheese sandwich. I can't hear you, Gary. Did I lose you? Did I lose you? <laughs> this is Michael uh, Kane. Thank you. I was got- shit on a shingle. Can you? This is Michael Kane. I can hear you. Yum. Um, Looks so hey. good. I want to make. I want to go to there. Nipples and pimples and cr- with dimples. Ow! That's. Uh, I like that. What? <laughs> nipples and pimples and dimples. <laughs> That's amazing. Goodbye, Ruby Tuesday. Thank you. That was... was You're welcome. Thank you. That was... Ken Mills on the mouth. Yeah, I know that feeling. Oh. <laughs> All right. Uh, did you recognize the tune? You know what it reminded me of, but I know I'm wrong. What? Okay, here's what it actually reminded me of. What? Okay, so from the Rankin Bass Return of the King. Oh yeah. Okay, there's the song where there's a whip. There's a way. Whip. There's a way. But that's not what you're doing. Those are your weird um, S&M fantasy tunes, I guess. Well, you know, that's that's really what Tolkien is all about. What what were you actually doing? Right here on WKIP, home of the biggest hits. It's from Youngstown, Ohio. Little Bit of Soul by the Music Explosion. (laughs) 
But sometimes I'll do like the whole band in my head, vocals and oh, everything. Yeah. Oh yeah. Do you ever do that thing where you play drums with your jawbone? Uh, yes. Right. Where there's a whip, there's a way. Alrighty then. Welcome I'm... to your freedom of speech shut the fuck up there's my freedom of speech shut the fuck up you miserable twat (laughs) (laughs) all right man so be listening on the next episode of the podcast we will be back with more creatures love and we also have an upcoming look at the Kiss Cruise Creature Style 2016. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Stay with us as we continue to celebrate the hottest band in the land, celebrating all eras. Kiss! Oh, we're great at that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's, we are amateurs. Yeah, I make all the sex sounds with my mouth afterwards. <laughs> Squish. Ooh. This place oh. is nice. Right? I'm glad you wore your nice flip-flops. Stay frosty, man. Okay.